Great to be with you this morning. My name is Matt, for those of you I haven't met. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Genesis 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1, and we will pick up there in a moment. Uh, If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we have uh, been using the month of October to sort of contemplate uh, what it looks like to be part of the global family of God, uh, billions of people that stretches right around the world, and not only that, but to be part of a global family that has a global mission that is um, called to go and bless every tribe, tongue, and nation, and neighborhood on the earth. And we've been talking about that global family and that global mission for weeks now, and we see that it comes to fruition in Jesus and his followers, but the origin of this global family and this global mission actually goes all the way back. You can trace it all the way back through scripture to the opening pages and the opening chapters where God calls a man named Abram, later to be renamed Abraham. And he says to him, uh, you are actually going to be the father of many nations. Uh, This huge number of people will come through you, even though you're old and don't have a child yourself. You will have a family and descendants that are more numerous than the stars you can see in the sky or the sand that you could count uh, if you were walking on the beach. It will be this uh, incredibly large... Ooh incredibly large, uh, eternal family that is called and has a mission to go and be a blessing through the gospel and the kingdom to carry it into every neighborhood and to every nation. And that global family and global mission starts most clearly right here in Genesis 12, verse 1. So as we've done over the course of uh, the last couple of weeks, we're going to read these verses and then go from there. This is what God says to Abram. He says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Before we go any further, why don't you join me in prayer? Lord, we love you, but I pray that as we uh, gather in this place, as we lean into what you have for us, that you would teach us to love you more. Lord, we believe in you and what you've said and your promises. Would you uh, help us with our unbelief? We trust you, Lord. We can say that, that we've put our hope and faith and trust in you. And yet we pray that you would come and increase our trust, that you would help us with our uh, lack of trust as we follow after you. Would you uh, speak to us today and give us um, fresh vision as we lean into what it looks like uh, to participate in this global mission that you've laid before us? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are continuing our conversation this morning as we explore what it looks like to be part of a global family that has a global mission. 
But I wanted to share specifically this morning about what this has looked like in the life of our family, specifically over the course of the last couple of months. And I'm going to share that story this morning. And through the lens of that story, I think you'll be able to see uh, some of the ways uh, that uh, these verses and this call have been shaping the life of our family and are going to affect the life of our family and the life of our church for the years that lie ahead. And uh, that story really starts back in February of this year when I went on my first trip to Mexico, down to Guadalajara, to uh, be with and encourage the region be regions beyond churches that are there. Uh, many of you know that we're part of a global family of churches that's called Regions Beyond. It's roughly 200 churches in, um, I think, nearly 30 different countries right around the world. But we went down to Guadalajara to connect and encourage uh, the churches there. And we had an amazing time. And it was really beautiful. Uh, and through the process, uh, the Lord really began stirring in my heart and uh, kind of uh, awakening a desire in me to um, do that more often, to be more involved in our global regions beyond family, uh, both in Guadalajara and, of course, overseas in many different nations. So I came back from that trip with sort of a, a fresh hunger and passion for the nations and for what God is doing globally in our regions beyond family. And uh, I kind of, in my mind, had this list of like four or five different countries that immediately came to mind that I thought, wow, in the next couple of years, I would love to get out and begin visiting some of these countries and connecting with uh, the churches that we have there and just uh, encouraging them in the ways that we can. But honestly, as those uh, desires were being stirred and rising in me, I felt a lot of tension, actually, in my heart because uh, we started um, prayer meetings, actually, monthly prayer meetings for this church plant back in 2014. And from that time to now, uh, we have been very, almost narrowly focused on uh, the local church, on this church. I've sort of had this fierce devotion, the blinders are on, uh, Lord, what do you want to do with us in, in this local church? And then I now had the Lord stirring this desire to like, hey, lift your eyes up and kind of see these other places, and what would it look like to be available and uh, invested in some of those other places as well? And that caused this great tension in my heart. Lord, what do I do between this sort of pull or call to be increasingly involved in in the global church and be active overseas, and this fierce devotion to the local church. And that all came to a head sort of uh, in early March, shortly after I got back from that trip. And I actually uh, was in this room on a Monday. The place was empty. And I just got down on my knees and said, Lord, I don't know what to do with this tension. I don't know what to do with like this uh, devotion to the local church, but then this pull toward sort of the, the global church in a more obvious way. And I just, in the best way that I could, I surrendered it. I said, Lord, I have these uh, almost competing desires in my heart. I don't know how to resolve this tension. Would you, I just surrender it to you. Whatever it is that you want to do. If you want me to just remain sort of blinders on, uh, fiercely devoted to the local church for the rest of my life, uh, I will do that. 
but I just have to lay it at your feet. I need you to speak into this tension and resolve this tension. And all of that happened in early March, just weeks before I was set to leave uh, to go to a global Regions Beyond conference in South Africa. And uh, so within a few weeks of sort of that surrender moment, I was on a plane headed to South Africa for a two-week conference. It's actually two kind of separate conferences in one. Uh, the first week was for young leaders uh, across the regions beyond family, of which I still qualify for, barely. Uh, and then the second week was opened up to the broader regions beyond family. So we had uh, about 40 young leaders from around the world for the first week, and then that opened up the second week for about 150 uh, young uh, leaders of all ages from all sorts of uh, backgrounds. And uh, shortly after I arrived in South Africa, the Lord began um, stirring new things in my heart and speaking to me through that time and opening new doors. And within hours of landing there, before I even made it out of the airport actually, I was running into people and connecting with old friends who I had made over the course of the last uh, decade and uh, also making new friends and from all over the world. And through the process of that, even in the opening hours, I was getting invitations. Hey, you should come and help us with this uh, conference we're doing in India. Hey, you should tr come to Dubai next year. Hey, you should come and visit the Philippines. Hey, you should come back to Mexico. Uh, and a lot of them were actually the nations I had jotted down and kind of had uh, in my heart already. And so I just thought, wow, right in the opening hours, Lord, you're, you're doing something here. You're stirring this desire again to um, step out in a fresh way. And what would it look like to maybe connect with some of these churches in the years ahead? And so uh, even before the conference uh, session started, Abby and I were already sort of processing long distance. I was in South Africa. She was here and just saying, oh, what do you think it would look like for us to uh, maybe be a little more active as a family overseas in the, in the global church and free up a bit of our time and capacity to go and be with them. And uh, the, a bit of the backstory was that the Lord had already been kind of working in my wife's heart, and she has um, two different homeschool podcasts that she listens to that are on their own journeys. And in both um, podcasts, they started featuring missionaries people who had gone with their families while they're homeschooling their kids and gone overseas and done stuff. And um, the part of that backstory is that the Monday I left for South Africa was the day that we finally committed to homeschooling all of our kids. Their first day of homeschool was the day I was leaving to go there. And so as we're processing long distance, I was thinking, oh man, I can really see these pieces kind of falling into place that we could go as a family and visit some of these places and pour into some of these churches and uh, we'll be freed up to do that in a unique way because of the, the homeschool journey that we're beginning. And so we just started dreaming, what would it look like to take three or four weeks a year and begin visiting some of these places? What would it look like if we could get our family down to Mexico in uh, early 2024 to visit those churches again and pour into them? And what would it look like maybe toward the end of 2024 if we could go and visit Dubai and visit the Philippines. 
And so we were um, processing that as uh, just the two of us. And then the, the conference sessions really got going. And as they did, uh, those things started to gain more and more momentum. The Lord really started um, speaking to me through that time. And the first thing that I wrote down that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me is he said, you must go wherever I send you. I just wrote that down. Wow, Lord, you're just laying that on my heart. Um, okay. Awesome. You know, we have all these places in mind that we would love to go and visit. Where would you want to send us? Uh, that makes sense to me. And um, as he spoke that to me, I actually had this, um, he sort of gave me this vision of almost like a, a giant wheel that was spinning around. And I was inside of this wheel. And on all the insides of it were, were pasted all of these pictures and, and faces of people from all over the world. Uh, and he said, these are the people that you're actually going to impact for the sake of the kingdom of God, for, from all of these diverse backgrounds and, and countries and cultures. And I could see their, their faces uh, on this wheel. And I said, wow, Lord, yeah, we'll go wherever you send us. Uh, we'll visit whoever you want us to visit. Uh, I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But, but even as I was saying yes to that, that same tension was then there in my heart. Oh, but Lord, what about the local church? And how am I supposed to balance those things? And I, I see you working and calling, um, but I don't know what to do about that. And so on the uh, first or second night of the conference, I, I went on a walk with my friend AJ. And uh, AJ is this amazing guy. He's about my age. He was uh, a Muslim, actually, in India, a devout Muslim. And um, God got a hold of him and called him to Christ. And he is now just an amazing, spirit-filled, uh, godly man, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, loves Jesus, is now church planting uh, yet again. Uh, it's part of another church plant, a new one. They just stepped out a few weeks ago uh, in the UK. And just an amazing guy. So him and I went for a walk. We ended up walking uh, around outside of the, the conference area for an hour and a half. I, I just walked with him, and I think he just listened. And I was just like talking and talking and talking. AJ, I don't know what to do about this tension. I don't understand the, the pull that I'm feeling toward uh, these nations and, and my commitment to the local church and how do I balance those things. And I was pouring all of that out. And I also shared some of my insecurity as well. Like, Lord, I, I don't always feel like the most effective leader here. So why would I be qualified to go overseas and, and drop into some of these other cultures and contexts and, and lead in any capacity and, and serve in any capacity there? Like, what, what would qualify me to do that? I, I don't, uh, I'm not feeling particularly effective um, right where I'm at. So why would I... You know, it just doesn't make sense. And so I was just processing all of that with him, and I don't know what to do, and maybe I should just stay focused on the local church and just sort of ignore this other like tug or pull that I'm feeling. And we talked for a long time. We almost missed dinner, uh, and we just talked into the night. And at the end, AJ just prayed. He said, hey, would you just pray for me? And he prayed, and he said, Lord, would you just speak? Would you just speak into this tension? Would you resolve this tension that he's feeling? and show him the way forward. So we got a late dinner, um, everyone went to bed, and the next morning, we came into our conference time, and as we did, uh, Steve Oliver stood up, and he said, hey, 
our um, global team, which is 10 to 15 people, uh, the global team for all of regions beyond, uh, was each person on the global team was given three names of young leaders who were going to be at this conference, and we were just asked to pray for them. Hey, just lift these three people up in prayer for uh, the week or so leading up to the conference. And uh, Steve Oliver said, hey, I, I did that. I have these three people I've been praying for, and I want to just share what I feel like the Lord's laid on my heart for these three people. And he was the only one on the global team who did this. But he said, these are the three people that I prayed for. Here's number one. Here's number two. Well, I was number three. So in front of everybody who's there, he was like, hey, you know, Matt, you were the third one. And I was praying for you. And I sense the Lord saying, I just sense the Lord wants to say to you, the nations are calling. The men and women are calling. The rich and the poor are calling. They're, they're waiting for you. And in that moment, I just sensed like the Holy Spirit just felt, I just started weeping. Like something in my heart just broke open in the presence of the Lord. And I just knew, Lord, this is, this is from you. Like this is what you're, you're calling me to. And as I was, as I was weeping and people are, are gathering around to pray, uh, Steve Oliver kept going. He said, I, I sense the Lord say to you, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Throw your nets far and wide into the nations and see what the Lord does. And again, I was just weeping and weeping. Even after people finished praying, I think for another 30, 45 minutes, I was just weeping. Through most of the next session that happened, I was just in my chair, just, just weeping in the presence of the Lord. And I, the Lord continued speaking to me in those sessions and in those times. Uh, and and the, another thing I sensed him speaking to me and wrote down in my journals, he said, go and build on fresh foundations among underreached people groups in the nations. And so I, as these days are going by, I'm processing this with Abby, my wife, and I said, honey, I think our family is supposed to step out in a fresh way uh, to, to visit some of these places. And we're just going to have to trust God for the plane tickets because flying five people uh, round trip around the world uh, gets expensive. But let's just step out and trust him for the plane tickets and just see what he does. Let's just, let's just go to a few places in 2024 and see what the Lord does through that. And so through the, that opening week with young leaders, he really began to open up my heart and shift my heart uh, in that direction. And we just got to this place of saying, Lord, what places would you want to have us visit and encourage in 2024 and beyond. Uh, and there was a number of other things that the Lord spoke to me in that first week and as we headed into the second week, but I want to kind of fast forward another four or five days to the next big moment uh, that the Lord um, spoke to me. And this was about five days later. We're now into the second week. It's a big session, about 150 people from all over the world, and we're in this giant tent. Uh, and I mean, the tent is giant. It's like two or three times the size of the space that we're in right now. This huge, massive white tent that we're all gathered in for the sessions. And down the middle of this tent, there are two or three huge poles that are maybe 30 feet high, uh, big round poles, uh, thick metal that are holding up the center of the tent. And then it sloped all the way out to the edges. And then there was a whole bunch of little metal poles, maybe about eight feet high holding up all of the edges or the walls 
uh, all around the outside of the tent. And during one of the sessions that we were in, a man named Rodney Haggard uh, brought a prophetic word up to the group. Mid-worship, he just says, hey, I feel like uh, I need to bring this to the group. And earlier before the session, I sensed the Lord speaking to me, and uh, he drew my attention to the poles. This is Rodney speaking. And he said, the, the Lord drew my attention to these poles and asked me, how many poles are in the middle of the tent, holding up the center? I said, well, there's, there's three. And then he sensed the Lord saying, well, how many poles are on the outside of the tent? I said, wow, I've, a lot? Uh, I, I don't know. And he sensed the Lord saying, well, go. Go and count them. So before that session had started, Rodney had walked around the outside of this giant tent and counted all the poles around the outside. And I can't remember the number. There are 48 or 78 or whatever it was. There's, there's a whole bunch of little poles around the outside. And he said, I, I sense that the Lord was speaking to me about some of the small poles and coming into the middle and becoming big poles. It's like the Lord was impressing on his heart, I want to extend your global regions beyond family out into the nations, further than you are now. But in order to extend the tent, I need some of the little poles to step out in a fresh way and become big poles that will then raise up more little poles around them so that the tent can go wider and wider and wider out into the nations. And he's sharing that. And a little bit of the backstory is that before he even got up to share, uh, I was in my seat and I was just feeling this incredible weight on me. Just the weight of everything the Lord had been stirring in my heart the last few days and this fresh call. And it, it, was, it wasn't a bad weight. I think it was a, a Holy Spirit weight, but it was just this, the gravity, the weight, the heaviness of, wow, Lord, you're, you're really calling us to, to surrender to you and, and step out in a fresh way. And so Rodney gets up and he shares this word. So I think some of you are supposed to step out in a fresh way for the sake of the nations and, and then raise up other little poles around you. And he shared that, and then Steve Oliver jumped up, and he said, you know, I, I feel like there's some of you here that need to respond to that word, and I think there's some of you here that are feeling a weight right now. And, and the Lord's saying, if you feel that weight on you, I want you to come to the front and just step out and receive prayer. And I thought, oh, dang it. Like, that is not, like, I'm the most reluctant person in the world to, like, go to the front. If some people are, like, running to the front every chance. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to go to the front. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And, but I knew, no, Lord, you, this, is, this is me. I'm one of the people who's supposed to go to the front and receive prayer. And so I went, uh, somewhat reluctantly, I went down to the front. And uh, there was maybe 10 others from out of the 150 that came to the front and said, yeah, I think, I think the Lord's impressing this on my heart too. And um, then people, a lot of the other people in the room just started gathering around in groups around all 10 or 12 of us that were down there and just taking time to pray in the presence of the Lord. And again, the Holy Spirit just fell on that time. And amazing things were um, just being prayed out during that time. But in the midst of that prayer, the Lord showed me three different um, visions that he brought to mind that I want to share with you. And the first one is that he showed me an image of uh, the boat, Contiki. 
And some of you may have read that book or seen, they've made one or two movies about it in Hollywood. Contiki was this um, very basic wooden raft. The man wanted to prove that native people could have made it from the Americas all the way across the Pacific to Southeast Asia, using only native materials and a basic sail and the wind. And, and, and it, it worked, he did it. He, he got on this raft, in fact, he didn't even know how to swim, and he was like, out in the middle of the Pacific, unsupported on this like little wooden raft. It's a crazy story. But this wooden raft, carried only by the wind, uh, had to just follow the wind wherever it went, and it made it all the way across the Pacific Ocean and into the islands in Southeast Asia. And so the Lord showed me an image of this boat leaving the Americas, being carried by the wind all the way across the Pacific and landing on the shore in the Philippines. And he said to me, follow the, the wind to the west. And in my mind, the wind is often used in Scripture as an image, one of, of many images for the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus says, oh, my, my followers, are, you know, who knows where they're going to go? They're just filled with the Spirit. They have to just follow that. He said, follow the wind to the west. Uh, and then the next image that, uh, that God showed me uh, was our family coming over the Pacific Ocean with the sunrise. And as the sun uh, like was rising over the Pacific and the first rays were uh, hitting the, the coast in the Philippines, our family was arriving with those first rays. And he said, your family is going to be a source of healing for people in the Philippines. And then the third image that he showed me was this map of the Philippines, and right out of the center of it, there was this large pole that just came rising up out of the center of the Philippines. And as it rose up, it rose all these small poles from around the Philippines and those islands and surrounding islands and other nations in Southeast Asia, all of these uh, little poles began rising up out of the map. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and he said, I'm going to make you a pole for Southeast Asia. This um, person who's going to be planted there, who's going to raise up these other younger leaders across the Philippines and in surrounding nations in Southeast Asia. And I knew in that moment, it was so real in my heart, oh my gosh, Lord, you're not calling us to visit the Philippines in 2024. You're calling us to move to the Philippines in 2024. And that came as a huge shock to me, um, despite all of the things the Lord had spoken up to that point and all the ways he had been preparing me for that. But I walked away from that prayer time with that settled in my heart. Oh my gosh, Lord, this is what you're calling us to do. And I was shocked, but I also had an amazing sense of peace. Just, okay, Lord, if this is what you're calling us to do, you're going to be with us. You're going to be with River's Edge. You're going to work out the things that needed to be worked out. So within a few days of that moment, I was flying back from South Africa, um, back here to Spokane. And uh, after crashing and sleeping for like 18 hours straight, uh, I woke up and I said, honey, we need to go for a walk. I have some things to tell you. Um, and so we went for a walk as a family. We you know, got the kids going and we went for a, we'd go on this family walk often. We'll leave our house and Riverside State Park is 
I don't know, maybe six blocks from our house, and we love to go and just kind of hike around there. But in order to get to Riverside State Park, we have to walk through this uh, development of brand new homes that they're putting in. And it's sort of this beautiful, picturesque, um, picture-perfect little neighborhood. All the power lines are underground. All the homes are brand new. All the yards are perfectly done. Each one is like custom designed and has their little gardens. And it's just, it's just a very pleasant, beautiful place to walk. So we're walking through this new development of homes. And we often like to walk there and just sort of admire the homes. Hopefully not in a covetous way, but just like, oh, I love what they did with the architecture here, or I love this color, or I love the way they you know, chose to do this garden. And so we're walking through these homes that we often admire on our way to the forest of the state park. And I said, honey, I'm not really sure how to say this, but I don't think the Lord's calling us to visit the Philippines in 2024. I think he's calling us to move to the Philippines in 2024. And then I just sort of held my breath and just, okay, wait for the reaction. I have no idea what, how she's going to respond to that. Uh, but the Lord actually spoke to her in that moment and uh, brought this phrase to mind, I haven't called you to the American dream. And for us, these homes sort of represent the American dream, the picture-perfect you know, model home with the, the model yard and, and everything else. And so we're walking through this place. I haven't called you to the American dream. These things you see in front of us, that's not for you in this season. And that's a significant thing um, for the Lord to speak to her or to speak to anybody. But the backstory is that over 10 years ago, when we were first um, sort of noticing each other and um, moving toward dating, we hadn't even been on our first date yet. And I, had, I was in the process of sharing with her. We knew we were interested in each other. And I was in the process of sharing with her one night, um, hey, I am trained as a lawyer. I've always wanted to be an attorney. I think God's gifted me for it. I love it. I'm good at it. But I actually sense him asking me to lay that down to go and, and be a pastor. I, I sense him calling me to sacrifice that thing to go and do this. And she didn't know the numbers that were involved, but I was essentially giving up a starting salary of $100,000 a year to go and start as a pastoral intern at $10,000 a year, okay? So I was going from a place of like tithing $10,000 a year to earning $10,000 a year. Uh, and as I was sharing that with her, I didn't share the numbers or anything, but as I was sharing that, that, that call with her, here she is, this young single gal, uh, who thinks she might be interested in me, and the Lord spoke to her and said, I haven't called you to the American dream. Same phrase. And so for, in her heart, as a single girl in that moment, it was almost like the Lord's way of saying, it's okay. He's not crazy. Like, you can follow this guy. You can marry this guy. I have you. It's going to be okay. And as the years went by, the Lord essentially gave us the American dream in spite of ourselves. We like sacrificed all of that and just lived by faith off of um, very little at times. I'm not even sure how we like paid our rent back then, but we did. And uh, over the years, the Lord has brought us into this place of essentially like having the American dream. I didn't know if we would ever own a home based on the way the Lord was calling us. We have a beautiful home and two cars, and three kids, and the whole thing. Like, 
All I need is a little white picket fence in the front yard, and we have the American dream. And yet, the Lord's calling us back into this place of laying that down. Hey, would you put that back on the altar? I haven't called you to the American dream. And so we're in the process of doing that, saying, what's it going to look like to sacrifice that all over again, to uh, step out in faith in, in a fresh way, to, uh, quote, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. We said, Lord, I, I don't know if I want to leave everything that's familiar to me. I don't know if I want to leave everything that you've given us. I don't know if I want to leave the community that we love so much. I, I haven't seen that land. I've never been to that land. The Lord's saying, I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you the land. But I, I want you to follow me. To follow me into that place. I haven't called you to the American dream. Are you willing to lay that down again? for my sake, to step out in a fresh way. And so with that and through that experience, the Lord brought a sense of peace uh, to my wife and to her heart over that new calling. And so the next step for me, this is April after I'm back from uh, being in South Africa, the next step for me, once she had a sense of peace, was to share that with the elders. And so I went into an elders meeting in April and um, just laid that out in far less detail than I've given you. But I just said, hey, it was in South Africa. We have this fresh call. Here's what I think the Lord is uh, calling us to do. And then again, just sort of like, okay, hold my breath. Um, this is a big sort of a, a, a bomb that I'm, I'm dropping on the elders and on the elder team. It was Matthew Crossgree's first elders meeting, uh, which is just, I'm sorry, Matthew. Um, but it was just, okay, I've just dropped this on them. Uh, I have no idea what they're going to say or how they're going to feel. What are you guys thinking? What are you, what are you feeling right now? And the first person to respond was Evan Parton. And he had this big smile on his face. And he said, oh, I'm not surprised. And I said, really? Because I'm surprised? Like, we had no idea this was coming. And he said, oh, no, I'm not surprised. In fact, Leah and I were debating amongst the two of us the likelihood, how likely is it that coming out of sabbatical, the decents will feel called overseas? And they put it at a 75% likelihood. I would have put it at a 2% likelihood. I said, no, 75% likely that they'll feel called overseas. And we continued uh, to share with a, a few select people, and we kept getting that response. Oh, I'm not surprised. Oh, we see this thing. Oh, we thought this was coming. Uh, and and we, after like hearing that for the fourth time, I said, well, when were you guys going to tell me that the, this is, everyone was singing this but me? Uh, and of course, not everyone was. But uh, I was surprised uh, to hear that over and over again. Uh, we were shocked. And if you feel shocked this morning, um, we were too. We, we did not see this coming. Uh, I thought we were going to be kind of playing the lead role at River's Edge for the next five to ten years. And that that's what we were preparing for as we stepped into sabbatical. Uh, but instead, that turned into a time of, of real processing. In fact, I had just told the elders, and we were like days basically away from the start of sabbatical. And so as an elder team, we just kind of decided, hey, let's just hit the pause button on all of this. 
Let's set it aside. Let's think on it. Let's pray on it. And we'll come back together in September after the sabbatical and see if anything has changed. Has your heart changed? Has, have our hearts changed? Uh, is, 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 are things headed in a different direction? Let's just see what happens. So we hit the pause button. We all processed through the sabbatical time and we came back on September 1st. And by the time we came back together, all of us had a greater sense of peace about it even than we had before sabbatical. And that vision really began to settle in our hearts. So after that, I reached out to Fusi, who oversees all of the regions beyond churches in Asia and is actually in transition right now. It's just been announced in the last uh, two weeks that he's transitioning into the lead role for the entire uh, regions beyond family. But I got to process with him and share, and he was excited about it. And so um, from there, about two weeks ago, we told Kim and Smile, who are the Filipino couple who oversee uh, all of the churches in the Philippines. They um, planted the first church in the Philippines around the time we planted River's Edge, but it's just kept growing and growing and multiplying. It's now six churches and, and looking to grow more from there. They have several doors opening up in unreached tribal groups on different Filipino islands. They have several house churches that are being started that may turn into uh, full-blown churches. It just keeps growing and growing. Kim and Smile are overseeing that. And so uh, we shared with them about two weeks ago and said, hey, would this be helpful? Do you want us to come? And they said, yes, we would love that. Uh, we would love for you guys to come. We've been praying uh, for something like that. And uh, so we continue to move forward. On Wednesday, we told our children that this is what we're going to do. And we were pretty nervous about that. Um, this is you know, the only place they know, the only house they know, the only church they know, the only community they have, and I would say that they were um, sort of supernaturally receptive to what we were sharing with them. They did not have uh, the sort of anger, tears, everything else that we had um, potentially anticipated through that. I think those will come in waves uh, over um, the, the year ahead. Uh, and now we want to share with you guys what we feel like the Lord has placed on our hearts and that we um, want to navigate this and navigate this well as a community uh, in the year that lies ahead. Our plan would be to leave a year from now in October of 2024 to go and be in the Philippines. And we would be committing to two years of being there of uh, serving them, of raising up young leaders and uh, equipping and empowering them for continued growth and church planting and reaching unreached people groups and just helping, strengthening, encouraging, blessing them uh, however we can as uh, the gospel continues to ripple out across the Philippines and the surrounding nations. But if all of this comes as a shock to you this morning, I'll repeat that it was a shock to us as well, that we uh, did not see it coming. We've been processing it for months now, and I think we're still processing it. There are still days that it feels uh, a little bit surreal, but we're um, trusting God in the midst of that. Lord, we've never been to that place. Uh, it's on the other side of the world. There are a hundred questions I have about how we get from here to there. Uh, to, on top of all that, uh, this is our home. Spokane is our home. This community is our spiritual family. Uh, and it's really hard for us to imagine, even a year from now, 
stepping away from that and into something else for uh, the two years that follow. But at the end of the day, that's exactly what we've sensed the Lord uh, calling us to do. And uh, to, to answer this call, the same call that was on the life of Abraham, to go from our people, from our household, to the place that's familiar, to the land that we have yet to see, to the land that he's going to show us. And so we want to be faithful in that and stepping out and moving toward that over the course of this next year. Um, and that's going to mean change for us and our family. It's going to mean change for the church as well. And um, we have several options that are conversations that are ongoing for what it's going to look like to, ha- to have this community uh, be flourishing and healthy and following after Jesus, uh, even as we're on the other side of the world. And so we would appreciate your prayers as we continue to um, hopefully finalize what that's going to look like. As soon as we have something concrete to share about what transition is going to look like and what lies ahead and what the timeline looks like, as soon as we have something concrete, we're going to share that with you and we're going to navigate that together as a church. Uh, But regardless of what materializes, uh, this community is going to have the opportunity to continue on as a community, as a family, uh, as we move forward into the future. And we're excited, genuinely excited, for some of the things that God is stirring there as well. Uh, But in the meantime, we want to close this morning as we've closed every uh, Sunday in October, and that's with prayer over uh, the global family, the global mission, and the specific things that we feel like the Lord is calling us to. So we'll circle up in a moment and pray. Uh, But uh, there's three things that I want us to pray for this morning. And these are them. The first is to pray for Kim and Smile and the work that God is doing in the Philippines. As I mentioned earlier, they've seen uh, what I would consider sort of this explosive uh, growth as more and more doors are opening to plant churches and to visit new islands. There are 2,000 inhabited islands in the Philippines, and they feel that the Lord's given them a vision for planting a church on every inhabited island. So in the decades that lie ahead, there is a dream of planting hundreds or even thousands of churches across the Philippines, which is a massive uh, call and a massive vision that lies before them. And at the same time, at that same conference in South Africa, the Lord spoke to Kim and Smile about going to plant a church in Taiwan, which is a totally different country, hundreds of miles north of the Philippines off the coast of China. And uh, they're looking to pursue that as well, which would be a huge change for them. Uh, So pray for Kim and Smile. Pray for uh, the churches in the Philippines and everything that they're carrying right now. Uh, We are hoping uh, to go toward the end of next year and just fan the flames of what the Lord is already doing there. But we want to lift them up uh, as they have uh, some big decisions to make as well. The second thing I would say is to pray for the elders for wisdom and transition, and um, for wisdom for the transition that lies ahead. As I mentioned, we've got several conversations going, and we feel like the Lord has some real, real beautiful, tangible things that he's going to call us as a community to step into over the course of this next year, and we want to do that well, and we want to do that together. Uh, But in the meantime, as things uh, are still a little bit up in the air, um, we would love your prayer over wisdom and direction 
for what that's going to look like. And finally, uh, I would love for you to pray for our family, uh, for wisdom and direction for us and all the little things that will need to fall into place uh, for uh, that dream to become a reality over the course of the next year. So uh, over these next few minutes, I would love for us to circle up into groups of three to five people. Uh, You can start by just kind of sharing how you're feeling or where you're at or how we can pray for you as we um, navigate these changes. Uh, But ultimately, we believe that God's kingdom is going to expand both here and in the Philippines because of what the Lord is leading us into. Ultimately, we believe we're going to be able to look back a year from now or two years from now and say, Lord, your hand was on that. We couldn't see it. We weren't asking for that change. But I think we're going to be able to look back and say, Lord, you were leading us as the good shepherd. We can see the way that your kingdom has expanded in Spokane and expanded in the Philippines because of what you've called us to. So it's with a great mix, I think, of um, sadness and expectation that we come and lift these things up this morning and just begin processing together. Uh, Lord, what do you have for us? Uh, How can we do this well and partner with you in what you're calling all of us to do? So go ahead and, and circle up your chairs. We'll take some time to pray before we head to worship.